Well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're at, uh, Son of my Covenant, we uh, miss you dearly. Um, we're going to do a little bit of worship here, and uh, we're just thinking this week, um, you know, here we are, and what uh, week? I don't even know anymore. Um, but I was just thinking about a couple of things, and um, you know, a lot of times when you watch the news, you see these uh, commercials um, for whatever uh, medicine or drug, whatever, and you see some people having a good time. Um, and everything's happy on the, on the, on, in the camera, but yet you have these, uh, what do you call them, Dis disclaimers um, that all this bad stuff's going to happen to you. <laughs> so you're watching all the happy stuff, and then all the bad stuff is actually what's going to happen. And I was just kind of um, co contradicting, or um, kind of looking at the, the dichotomy between that, also what's going on in our world, and then the Word of God. And the Word of God... Um, itself also comes with disclaimers. Um, and the, the big disclaimer is that, um, you know, if you decide to follow it, is that the best is yet to come. Because the more that you're into the Word, the more that you read, the more that you take it in, the more that you adopt it as your, your, your uh, North Star and your compass, um, it is, the, the, the truth is, is that the best is yet, every day is better. Because, um, you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He gives you more life. He, he gives you more. Life becomes more, more full of his spirit as, as you move forward. So it's such an amazing um, gift because if you're in the word, you're this much better than you were the previous day. You're this much better that, that next day. And as we've been soaking and kind of um, uh, reading it together as a group, that's just a, a finding or just a thought that, that I had and just uh, in the context of worship, here we are. Um, so it, it just, we, we're just giving it all to him. We're just blessing him. Um, we've, we've, someone, someone was here in the sanctuary. We just came in, and all of a sudden we looked, and we have uh, Coop back with us. So we're excited to have him as, as part of our group here today. And uh, so we just, want, we just want to bless you. So, Lord, we just thank you for, for this day. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. Um, Lord, we're going to sing songs where we just proclaim your worthiness. And we say to you right now, God, that you are worthy. You're worthy to be praised. God, the promises that you put forth, God, we will rest in those. Your faithfulness, our confidence is, is in. So as we worship, Father, I just pray that you would move here with us, just in this room, that you would move in all the, the places where people, where you are worshiping, where people are worshiping you, Lord, that that your name would be exalted and lifted up. Father, you're such a good God. And um, we just pray for your anointing, for your Holy Spirit to be with us, God, and to make a way for your word coming forth. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Let's worship. Kindness, you have poured out in grace. 
You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Healer, mercy, you're my help in time of need. Yes, you are. Lord, I can't help but sing. Yes and amen. And all your promises are yes and amen.
depend on circumstances because you are constant Lord I find peace in you you're unshakable I cannot imagine 
just how glorious you are and I cannot begin to tell deep love you bring Lord my ears have heard of you and now my eyes have seen your word your word you're worthy you're worthy to be praised forever and a day you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy lord you're worthy to be praised forever and a day glory glory i'll give glory to the one who saved my soul you found me and you freed me from the shame that was my own and i cannot begin to tell how merciful you've been lord my ears have heard of you but now my eyes have seen lord they've seen you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You're worthy to be praised forever and a day. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. God, you're worthy. You're worthy to be praised.
the vocals. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Yes, you're worthy. Yes, you're worthy to be praised forever and a day, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Lord, you're worthy now. Thanks, Pat and the worship team. Uh, it's good to be presenting to you once again on this fine July 12th Sunday morning. Um, message today is we can do this. And I want to encourage you with whatever you're going through right now. God doesn't call us to something if he doesn't equip us. And God has equipped you for whatever's in front of you if he's in it and he's called you to it. So he's prepared you. And I was thinking this week, I, I actually put out a challenge to the congregation in the midweek letter that uh, there were, we would not complain from Thursday uh, a.m. to Friday a.m. That's 24 hours. Also, you got to sleep eight of those hours. So that left you with 16 non-complaining hours. Plus, you, you know, we have to shower, clean, go around basic things, dress, a few other things. So probably we're down to 14 hours. So I'd like to ask you, for those of you that did it, uh, how, did you, how did you do? What would you give yourself on a grade? Now, I graded myself, which I uh, gave myself a seven. What I realized is I was talking to Dudley and I said, I'm not complaining, I am making an observation. I'm really not complaining. I was trying to shed some light on my perspective. And I couldn't, I, it really is amazing what life is like without us saying some commentary or negativity. But it was a good exercise and a lot of fun for those that did it. If you haven't done it, I, I recommend you try it in the not too distant future. Today, uh, I wanna use as the text, it's out of First um, Peter chapter two, uh, maybe as a backdrop, I'll just tell you this. Uh, the first epistle of Peter was written in around uh, 62 to 64 AD. And it was a message from Peter to encourage the church. They were living in tumultuous times. Um, a lot of change going on in the culture, in Rome, in Judea. Uh, persecution was not like we would think, like they were killing Christians. The persecution was more social and economic um, kind of being marginalized out and controlled by the Romans. And on top of that, there was uh, spiritual infighting and persecution among the Jews and Christians were still fighting it out. And um, it also brought a lot of division in family. There was Orthodox Jewish families who their children had become Christians. And now this had made, so there's a lot going on in the culture at this time. And Peter's trying to help define who we are. So beginning in verse 9 of chapter uh, 2 in 1 Peter. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are a people of God. 
You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I'm going to continue to read. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts that wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing which uh, they slander you as evildoers, they they may, because uh, of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to the king, as to one in authority, or to governors, as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence Silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. And do not use your freedom for a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves to God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. That's going to be our theme today. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor is manifested esteem. It is showing respect. It is putting weight on someone. It is, um, we're challenged in honor all men. We know about honoring the last one. I'm going to honor the king. That makes a little more sense. But all men, all men to honor them. I guess what I'm saying is it means every ethnicity. It means every tongue and language and dialect. It means people of every race, of every nation. Let's go to the back of the book in Revelation 5.9. And I'll read one uh, scripture there that applies. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood from every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. In Revelation, it's speaking to the fact that every tongue, every tribe on this celestial ball. It's amazing. God it loves the diversity of humanity. He could have made us all um, African-Americans. He could have made us all white. He could have made us all with blonde hair, blue eyes, brown hair, black eyes. He could have made us all tall. He could have made us all short. He could have made us all this and that. He could have made us all this. Uh, musicians or artists. He, he delights in distributing the gifts of God. And we are who we are. And every person is, and we are to honor everyone, regardless of their status. We're warmed in James, the second chapter, not to, if a man has gold rings and is wealthy, he gets a place of honor, where a poor man is moved to the back. And James goes on to say, isn't it the rich that really are the ones that persecute you in this life? It's not that having money is wrong, it's just that the love of it is the root of all sorts of evil. 
and by many by it many have suffered a pang so money's not the issue it always comes back down to the human heart so whether saint or sinner rich or poor male or female young or old educated or illiterate were to honor jesus honored the rich young ruler he bled it, he gave him an audience the man had it all he kept all of his commandments and he was wealthy and he went away sad because he was a man of great possessions and Jesus said, there's just one thing. And he couldn't let go of that one thing that owned him. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he stops. He's on his way into Jerusalem. Jesus stops the whole entourage. And he hears this blind beggar. He says, bring him over here. He stopped for lepers that cried out to him. He stopped when a woman in a crowd all around and she's, she's afraid and she's had 12 years of medical bills and she just touches, just touches the hem of his garment and healing virtue went out of Jesus. He went up to the children and he, he touched them and, and, and was good with them. He went out on fishing boats with Peter and James and John. He went up, on, he, they climbed mountains together. They went on hikes together. They ate together. And everywhere he was, whether he went to Matthew's party where there was a, there's drunks and prostitutes, he had a way of honoring people. The Pharisees were upset that he was with those kinds of people, and yet our Lord and Savior honored them. We're to honor people whether we agree with them or not. Here's challenge number one for me and for you. I would like to ask you, within the next day or two to find someone to honor that you don't agree with about hardly anything. Because we're to love our enemies, we're to pray for those that despitefully use us. He says, in fact, even Gentiles love their own. They'll, they'll if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your. But he says, not you. I don't, he doesn't consider that righteousness. He considers it righteous when we suffer for doing good, when we've, uh, we haven't done anything wrong, and yet we still love. That's our Lord and Savior. It says in Luke 6.35, For he himself is kind to evil and ungrateful men. This honoring we do to all men is not with ulterior motives. I'm not honoring you to get something. Um, I lived in a culture in Japan for two years. When I was a young man, I was nine and ten, and in Japan you bow. It's all part of the culture. You bow every time you talk. There's a very strict code of how you do things. Um, and it's not bad. I'm not criticizing the Japanese or their culture. I'm just saying what God's after, though, is not just an external form of respect, which can be okay, but he's really looking for that honor to come out of our heart, that esteem for this other human being. So that's number one, honor all men. I mean, that, that means, wait a minute, all men. I mean, it can't mean, oh, it does mean all, every, all men, the waiter, the guy at the car wash, the, the, the people that uh, work on your yard, if they do, or, or your teacher, or the teacher's assistant, or whoever it is, honor them. 
Honor, honor, honor. And, and let me say this about honor. Your father and mother. So many people have a bad relationship with a parent. Even adult children who are Christian have bad relationships with their parents. I'm sorry. I've got good news and bad news for you. The good news is there is an antidote to that. And that's for you just to honor the heck out of them. To wake up in the morning figuring out how you can honor that rotten parent you have. The one that never did anything for you. The one that didn't show up at your games. The one that did this, did that. The one that, the one that left mom. All this other stuff. Honor them. It's for your protection. It's a, it's a quality we have as believers that means so much. Numero uno. Honor all men. Number two. Love the brotherhood. In 1 Peter 1.22, it says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. That's amazing. Love one another from the heart. I think to fervently love someone, like, okay, Ethan's sitting out here, standing out here, filming, so I go, love you, Ethan. And Bill just walked in, love you, bro, love you. We do that, and I get it, it's a greeting. But that's different than me fervently loving these two men and being aware in some measure their burden is my burden. In some ways that I pick up what they're carrying as fulfilling the law of Christ bearing their burden. They're bearing their own load, but I'm there as a brother, fervently caring and loving and, and acting on that. That's, that's how I want to be. Because we're, we are in this together. He says, well, it says in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And the next verse I love, it says, this is Galatians 5, uh, 3 and 4. It says, for if anybody thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Okay, I'm going to kill your self-esteem again. If you think you're something, you're nothing. Because God's the standard, okay? Not Kevin and not the church and not, uh, not your 1040 line 31. Who you are is to an audience of one, and with him, I would rather be a doorkeeper in his house than take my fate upon myself. Him being the standard allows us to walk in the humility that we're called to. Philippians 4, um, excuse me, Philippians 2, uh, beginning in verse 2, when we talk about love the brotherhood, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing, nada, nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourself. Wow. I mean, okay, oh wait, there's more. 
Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but all the interest of, also the interest of others. I mean, the, I didn't write it, okay? I'm telling you what it says. And now we all have to give an account for it. In Ephesians, he tells us one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism over all and through all, united in spirit, intent on one thing. The unity of the spirit comes into the unity of the faith. But let the love of the brother continue, it says in Hebrews 13.1. Why does he say let the love of the brother continue? Because it goes cold. In our flesh, people get to us. Circumstances get to us. If you've ever had a friend that you were really close to at one time, and as years go on, you're just not as close to them anymore. You know why? Because they've changed. They're just not the same anymore. Something's wrong with them. <laughs> just kidding, okay? Just kidding. We all have our issues, right? So I want to just say, when you're loving the brotherhood, you're a team player. You're part of the answer. You're a friend to your brothers and sisters in Christ. One body, um, we're joined together in Christ. To fervently love someone means that it's not just by happenstance, but it's with intentionality. In this love that we express as we walk it out, let's be authentic, let's be genuine, and let's be a person who can be counted on. Um, I'll just say this for now. Every once in a while I run into people that are spiritual and don't believe in organized religion. I don't know if they believe in disorganized religion, but they, they say, I'm not into all that. I, it's just me and God. Well, I'm just, I have to tell you, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you are so far off from the will of God this entire New Testament is an integration of people into one body and one faith. And it takes courage and consistency to week after week, month after month, year after year, to give yourself to other people. And in so doing, you're adding something to their life, but as you interact with them, they add something to your life and the body is built up in love. When we don't operate in the Holy Spirit and when we... When we uh, just let our feelings and everything run the day. It doesn't work. But when we apply the things of God to how God wants us to be, it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. Behold and how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Some of the greatest times of my life have been with brothers when we were in a place before God. Okay, so my third point is going to be fear God. Now, when I say fear, guys, we can do this. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, now fear God. This is all in Second, uh, 1 Peter 2.17. Now, when I'm talking about the fear of God, uh, Bill, are you getting goosebumps? Getting excited about that subject? You just say, oh man, I love it. Every time he talks about the, <laughs> when he talks about the fear of God, I get so excited because it is fun. It is so good, man. You encourage me so much when we talk about the fear of God. Happy thoughts, goosebumps. 
There's more about the fear of God bringing blessing to your life than about anything else. It says it's the beginning of wisdom. It's just the beginning. But I will tell you this, anybody watching, if you're a spiritual leader, which if you're married, you should be and are, you can't go anywhere without the fear of God. Oswald Chambers said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Fear of God is reverence, awe, respect, a worshipful attitude, an essential leadership quality as a pastor and leader. Isaiah said it's our great treasure. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil in Proverbs 8.13. Uh, it says it pro pro prolongs life. The fear of man brings a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. I've done this in my life, and you may have well, as well operated in the fear of man. When you're in the fear of man, you're, you're more concerned about what people are thinking about you. You're more aware of how you're coming across. And it causes you to be stilted. It causes... Uh, us to perform. When you're in the fear of God, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm going to be a fool for Christ. I'm going to do my best, whatever it takes. But you're, it's a different dynamic that goes on. And the fear of man is a snare because if we move from the fear of God to the fear of man, then man takes a place he doesn't deserve. And we perform for man. We position for man. We climb for man. We compete with man. And this is the world as we see it through our television sets and media, people clawing each, each other. But how about if we could back it up and they were honoring all men, loving the brotherhood, and now we're fearing God. If we don't have the fear of God, anything goes. I mean, anything. I mean, what, except the fear of man. We're afraid what man will do to us. But that makes us want to live a life that we don't get caught because without the fear of God, pride gets in there and then we start believing that we're the smartest person in the room. Scripture says a man's sin will find him out. And certainly we know of many cases like that. I could say many sad tales. After over 40 years in pastoral work, I've watched so many that started out with an enthusiasm and then their life shifts, and somehow the fear of God, it's like God can't see anymore. And so it leads to a secret life. It leads to a life of deception and sin, and it happens over a period of days and weeks and months and years. Because we've marginalized God and we've lost the fear of God. If you get angry at your wife or you had a fight or something and then you start talking to God about it, you have a different response to it than if you have a fight and you just talk to yourself. Fear of God brings us into accountability with God always. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to list a few things 
Please try to stay with me um, as I do this. But remember, the fear of God is not an unhealthy, slavish, cowering attitude. I saw a quote the other day. Someone says, the most important thing you could ever do is trust yourself. I want to say, I reject that completely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our path. First one is on love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who love him. On compassion, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You have a blessed prosperity. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. 128.4. Help and shield. You who fear him, trust the Lord. He is a help and shield. When we go into battle, the Lord is our protection. Psalm 115.11. God hears. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. God delights. The Lord delights in those who fear him. Those who wait for his loving kindness. Psalm 147. Health. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away for evil. It will be healing to your bones and refresh, healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8.13. Not to hate people, but to hate evil. Longevity. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Proverbs 10.27. By the way, I believe these scriptures are just as true as John 3.16. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord. That's integrity. And he who is crooked in his ways displeases him. Fear of the Lord brings accountability. I kind of wrote a song in my head. It came about two hours before I started this. I don't know how it's going to come out. Uh oh, it goes something like this. Imagine, here we go. Imagine there's no consequences on anything you do. No federal taxes or speeding tickets for you. Look at all the people, it's easy if you try. <laughs> Imagine there's no test, your homework's never due. Imagine you can be a jerk and they'll love you just as you do. Imagine all the people living for today. Okay, enough. I'm probably going to get. I've been a fool for Christ doing that one. But I will tell you, imagining has nothing to do with reality. The fear of God is reality. It is that I'm going to give a, I have consequences for my life. When we were alone, and we all are alone at times, we're all drawn into temptation at times. You will or you will not take a certain course of action because of the fear of the Lord.
Come and I will teach you the fear of the Lord, David says in Psalms. Joseph sold into slavery, betrayed by his brothers in Egypt, learning a foreign language with an accent, becomes a household slave, but he's so good at it, he, he's in a very predominant, um, uh, excellent home of Potiphar, a person of great influence, and everything that Potiphar owned, he put in Joseph's charge, this Hebrew slave. And Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And you know the story, Joseph never would. And he looked at her, he said to her, how could I commit this great sin against God? Well, wait a minute, Joseph had been sinned against. His brothers had sinned against him. Uh, nobody believed his dreams, and he had been hurt deeply. And he had, now he's alone in a foreign nation, never going to see anybody again. And he says, how could I commit this great sin against God? He has no home group. He has no pastor. He has no family. He has nobody except God, which is all we need. The fear of God. And he said that, and he left, and she grabbed his cloak, and then he got accused of rape, which never happened. But he was thrown in prison for two years, and then he succeeded in prison, and you know the rest. But all of it was, I wonder what would have happened if Joseph just succumbed to that woman instead of saying, how could I do this great sin against God? So here we are. We've got in this one verse, 1 Peter 2, 17, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and now we get to honor the king. So we get another, if we honor all men, we should honor the king, but this is a second play because I think it's easy not to honor people in authority. As I said earlier, it's easy not to honor your parents. It's easy not to like the pastor. It's easy not to like your teachers. It's easy not to like your coaches. If only the coach had put me in, I would have won, we would have won state, right? <laughs> if I had gotten the lead in the play, it would have been so much better. I, 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 I. Honor the king. How do we do that? By prayers. First Timothy, by entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving. To pray for all those who are in authority. For kings. Honor the king. By the way, that, that could be honor the government now. But the literal word is honor the emperor. Do you know who the emperor was when that was written? So he's saying, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor Nero. Nero? Nero killed his mother. He killed his two wives. They say, you know, the whole thing, uh, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. He played the fiddle. There is a story that some of these are hard to confirm, but the, the fires that started in Rome, he blamed them on the Christians. Uh, and uh, Christians were literally used as torches to keep the city lit at night. So this is who we're supposed to honor. Nero. Wait, that can't be right. Honor him. What does that mean? That means that I realize that he's a ruler. God's put him there. I don't agree with anything he does. I don't believe, I believe some of his behavior 
Much of it is sinful and offline. It's pagan and everything else. But I can walk with a position of honor and respect as I stand before God, regardless of who this person is. If Nero asks me to do something sinful, I can disobey him. And he may think I'm dishonoring him, but I'm not dishonoring him. I'm obeying God. It's better to obey God than man. All governing authorities come from God. You can read it in uh, Romans 13, 1. Uh, we're all subject to governing authorities. And civil magistrates are considered ministers of God to execute vengeance. And we have no fear of evil if we do what's good. I mean, that's what the scripture's pointing towards. You can have evil governments that we're afraid even if we do good because they're just bad. I understand that part as well. Um, but civil magistrates and ministers need our prayers and support. Right now, our country is going through some kind of major upheaval. And everyone, the, the president, Congress, both sides. I know some of you, I mean, let's not talk politics. I, don't, I purposely don't do that. It's already divisive in us. I want to be one in Christ. But to do that, I have to pray for people I don't agree with. I need to honor people I don't agree, agree with. It's so easy for, to tear them down. We're challenged to use our freedom for service to God. Remember that the governing authorities come from God. We're, you know, they asked Jesus, uh, who, are we supposed to pay taxes? And he, he took the coin and said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God's the things that is God. God is preeminent in my life and I trust in your life. He is number one in everything. To love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. For some reason, he made me American. He made me live in this century. And now I'm an American citizen. And so as a believer, I want to be a good citizen and honor the government appropriately. And I actually have a government that allows you to redress the government. When it's done appropriately, it's a wonderful gift to us. So what finds favor with God? If for the sake of conscience towards God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there when you sin and are harshly treated? You endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, um, uh, suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. To be like Christ, our example, we need to want to be like him. Somebody says, I want to go where Jesus is going. Well, he's going to Calvary. You know what happened on Calvary, right? We're thinking he's going someplace else, but he'll take you, he takes us again and again through the cross in different ways, always with love and resurrection power. We need to see his preeminent life and example as a model for our lives. For you've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. It's in 1 Peter 2, 20, um, one. Uh, it's a lot of scripture, I know, but it's a big Bible, and I think it's good for us to dig into it from time to time. I want to finish reading in Peter 
the last part of this as an exhortation beginning in verse 18. So honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. This is verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, This finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered uh, uh, for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body, on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. It's always a good reminder to remind ourselves that we are sinners, saved by grace, through faith, and not of works, lest we boast. And what God is doing in your life is not to reform you, to get good habits. He's to transform you. To transform you is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're a new creation in Christ. As we go forward, watch the speck in your own eye. Make sure you're adjusting the log you got. Bill, I see a log out there. You got a log? And we love God and love our neighbor. You can do this. You can do this. We can do this. Um, I see you doing it at times. And so as I close today, I just want to, a few people are going to be on video and I always look forward to that. And Pat will return uh, with music. Um, But this Friday, we're planning on having a um, a outside, outdoor communion service. Uh, I'll be getting a letter out next week, just to give you a few of the details on, on Wednesday. But I do miss everyone. I hope you're doing well. And I know we see each other at different occasions. And I know some of you, some of you are uh, really fighting the hug thing. Others of you are elbowers. Some of you are maskers. Hey, whatever you are, we're going to do this right and walk in God together. Uh, and it is true, this too will pass. So let me, let me pray now. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the brethren. I thank you for just mankind, Lord, what you've made. That we will pray that a new level of honor will come out towards all that in our path and that we will love the brethren. Lord, love our brothers and sisters that you've called us to walk with. I pray, Lord, that the fear of God is a treasure. It's not some kind of negative thing. It's not the fear we had of authority or the fear we have of getting caught. 
but it's, it's a holy reverential fear that, of you, Lord, that we want to be holy as you are holy. And to honor the king, Lord, with all the things going on with COVID and many changes going on um, with all the racial upheaval in our country, Lord, we need your grace and mercy. We ask for it and we pray wherever we are, we will be salt and light and that you'll be pleased with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Lord, peace and joy to everyone. This is Glenn and Karen Worthington. Our little girls, Stella and Naomi, are inside while we're recording this outside. And uh, we'll be reflecting on the COVID-19 pandemic, the same as everyone else. And we wanted to share a word about trusting in God. And I'm going to talk about uh, trusting in God's control of our circumstances. And then Karen's going to share a little bit about trusting God's uh, grace in our lives. So one of my favorite verses comes from uh, the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk and chapter three, verses 17 and 18. And it says, uh, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, the fields produce no food, though there's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my savior. And uh, that passage today, uh, that was for an agrarian society uh, where crops and cattle, that, that was your livelihood. And so for today, that passage might be paraphrased something like, though a pandemic rages, though unemployment is up, the economy is down, though the political system is fractured, uh, as teachers working at a Christian school, though the school system is in chaos, even if all those things happen, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And during this pandemic, we've had to come face to face uh, with many areas in our lives where we're simply not in control. The plans we made, the vacations we've canceled, uh, my summer soccer program has started and stopped and it's just, we're not in control of what's going on. And uh, another example that came to mind is, I hate teaching online classes. I love being in the classroom and yet so grateful for the opportunity to teach online this year um, and, and still have that connection with the students and still have a job. And so at first that kind of thought of a lack of control, what's going on, I, I thought I had all these great plans and not in control of my life, it was really scary. But then as a Christian, what a great opportunity to grow in our faith, uh, realizing that our security is in God alone and realizing that we can rejoice in God's provision even during these difficult times. And so that's one of the things I'm taking away, just that idea of uh, being able to give up control and plans and trust more fully in God. Another lesson we've learned is trusting in God's grace when we fall short. And uh, the passage or scripture is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. And God tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul responds with, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul says that a thorn in his flesh kept him humble and reminded him of his need for constant contact with God. And that example benefited those all around him when they saw God at work in Paul's life. And God's power displayed in weak people, that gives me courage. The Lord can use me even when I mess up. In fact, my weaknesses can be used to glorify the Lord. Now this isn't a pass to continue my bad behavior, or to, it's, but it's an important calling that when my thoughts are not aligned with God's thoughts, when I lose my patience, I'm frustrated, that the Lord can be glorified by the Holy Spirit's work in my heart to apologize, to ask for forgiveness. 
that is a calling and an example that I want to leave for my children and my girls to be able to apologize, to listen and to love by God's grace. And even through our weaknesses that that can be done. And even when all these COVID-19 anxieties and limitations, they cause me not to be at my best. God is still working at me in me for his glory. Amen. Thank you so much for opportunity to share what God's speaking to our lives. Hi, church family. It's been way too long since I've seen all of you guys in person and been able to give you hugs. Um, just know that I send my love to y'all virtually. I miss each and every one of you. I was asked to share a little bit about my experience in quarantine and what things I would want to leave behind and what things I want to kind of take with me and continue to move forward with. Uh, the first thing um, that I would want to leave behind is the isolation. Um, I'm single. I live by myself. I actually love that. <laughs> but um, I, what I really wasn't expecting to feel so isolated during this time. Um, the first month was the hardest, but after that, I kind of got into a rhythm um, and kind of started kind of feeling more comfortable being home and not being able to see everybody. So I'm doing much better there. Um, what's really helped me kind of get out of the isolation is digging into scripture, um, lots of prayer, and then finding different ways to connect with people. Um, I'm so used to going to my dad's on the weekends. After my mom passed, I like to go in and check in on him, make sure he's got company. And it has been so hard not being able to go over there every weekend and just hang out on his couch and um, chat about nothing. So that has been really hard. Um, but we found new ways to connect so we can have a video call uh, once we figured out how to work the technology on both ends. And just being able to stay connected with my friends, I've been able to have video chats with old roommates that I haven't even seen in person in years. And just being able to feel connected in a unique way. Um, so that's gotten so much better, but definitely the isolation is something I would be leaving behind. Um, something that I've been able to kind of take with me um, and that I want to kind of take and continue moving forward is I had, most of you guys know, I've been on a weight loss journey for the last year and a half. And um, I just started working out again right before they said to stop going to gyms. <laughs> so I've been having just you know, challenges with staying motivated with working out and continuing to eat right. I think as we all have during this time, but I've really been able to work into that and, um, continue walking so much during the day. Now that I have a dog, I can take her for walks. Um, what a great excuse, right? And, uh, just making sure that I'm doing things that continue to, um, provide exercise, but also eating the right foods and continuing to lose weight during this process, which completely surprised me. Um, I did run into reverse the other day because I know Kevin has mentioned this so many times. This, this virus is not a surprise to God. He knew this was coming. Also the way that everybody's reacting, um, in totally different ways. We have all ends of the spectrum, um, whether you want to social distance or not, and whether you want to take, you know, the precautions that are recommended or not. And one thing that I've been really, it's been challenging for me is to not judge others when they have a different mindset than my own. So God's really been laying that on my heart. So 
Um, this verse I found the other day when I was going through scripture and I just, it stuck with me. So I wanted to share it. So make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord, uh, Hebrews 12, 14. And so I just want to leave you with that. Whether we agree with others' decisions or not, we need to be respectful and continue to be loving and show Christ in every action that we take. All right. I love you guys. I hope you guys continue to stay healthy and I miss you all. Um, one of these days, I'll be able to give you a giant big hug and uh, it'll be in person. So I look forward to that time when it's safe to gather and do those things again. Love you all. Hi, everyone. We miss you guys so much. Um, this is the Blancos. Um, Aaron and Pastor Kevin reached out to us to see what we would leave behind and what we would keep moving forward. Um, for me, um, what I would love to leave behind are these um, masks. The masks, um, I hate them so much. I know that it's, it keeps us all safe, but, um, but I don't like not seeing people smile. And um, that's what I miss the most, uh, are the hugs and smiles of people. I miss people. Um, this quarantine is just so crazy. Uh, we have been trying to be safe, but now that things are opened up a bit, I also uh, feel um, that the one that I need to uh, keep moving forward um, is the fervor and the passion um, in seeking the Lord. Um, I just remembered being stuck at home that you have all the time in the world to spend time with, with God, and I felt that he was inviting me to... Um, to to have a deeper trust in him. And um, now that things are getting busy, I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. Um, I want to keep that going forward. Hello, everyone. We miss you. And uh, we can't wait to see everybody again. Uh, what I want to leave behind is just the negativity when this first, uh, when the pandemic first hit and just the, the, the news um, and, and how you can tell the different news channels were slanting, slanting the truth to kind of fit their narrative. And, and I thought that was just absolutely uh, heartless and unconscionable. Um, and I found myself uh, needing to stay up to date, obviously. Um, but uh, you, can, you can just tell that uh, the truth wasn't necessarily being um, said. So I found myself kind of navigating away from the news cycle um, getting just enough to stay informed, um, but not listening to the narratives that uh, were potentially true or, or untrue and had its political leanings. Uh, what I want to uh, keep going forward, and, and Gina had mentioned it too, is just this ability to stay focused on the Lord, you know, when everything seems so uh, desperate and uh, hopeless. Um, it just solidifies and reemphasizes that it's not in our hands. It's never, never has been. It's, it's in our Lord's hand and, and he's going to um, do what's right uh, for his, uh, for his followers. Um, it's opened up dialogue for me to have conversations uh, with people about Christ uh, because there's a desperation out there. Um, they're looking for answers. Uh, and you can just tell that, that Christians seem to be uh, much more comfortable uh, with the situation because uh, it, it never is in our hands and, and we don't control uh, we don't control the future 
Um, it's something that we just turn everything to the Lord and, and just trust. So that's something that uh, I will continue to take forward. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. We love you. Can't wait to hug, hug, hug everyone. today let that be our our creed is that he will be the vision 
the ruler of all. Amen. Bless you guys.